None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. That is the book of Romans, chapter 3, verses 11 through 12. And welcome back to another edition of Bridge Radio. Coming at you from the great state of Texas. Texas. And uh, that is probably one of my favorite verses in all of the uh, New Testament. Actually, all of the Bible. Mm. And uh, we'll be breaking that down here today. Uh, today we got a good episode. We're going to be talking about the doctrine of sin. A little bit of uh, total depravity. I know we've done a couple of episodes on that. Actually, Jeff Durbin did that episode with us, but today yeah. we have a very special guest, first time guest, and uh, he's really going to be hammering this doctrine. Yes, pretty get ready. Hard. Get ready. Get ready. Get, you're going to get a, the, the dagger and the knife, but we're, we've got to be balanced though, right? Yes. You got to be balanced. Yeah, we're, we're we'll we'll give you truth here, right? Uh-huh. And we're going to be balanced. So, and then uh, last week we had this guest uh, on as well, uh, Chuck Volo. Chuck yes, Volo, bal- please we, go back and li- that, listen yeah. to that one. That um, was a very 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 good podcast. Yeah, how encouraging that was, and just as you speak about balance. So, mm-hmm. um, and I need to write the book. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> my third time. Yeah, I that's it. the third time, and Chuck is going to come after you. Yeah, he's going to get so mad. Yeah. This guy keeps mentioning a book. book. What's wrong with Stop him? Stop it, son. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, uh, but uh, yes, please check out that uh, podcast uh, uh, from uh, last week with mm-hmm. uh, Chuck and Jeremy on there. Uh, it was just extremely, extremely encouraging. To hear it was. That and just it was about balancing the Christian faith and what that looks like. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, if you're new to the program, please subscribe. We're on uh, all the major podcast platforms. Uh, you could also download our app, the Bridge app, not the Bridge app, but just yeah. put in Bridge Ministries in the App Store. Uh, we're on Android, iOS, and I, mm. I believe Windows as well. And uh, yeah, we have a lot of uh, theological goodness on there. Some yeah. uh, expository sermons. You can listen to Bridge Radio on there. And uh, also, if you live in our community, you could sign up for our Bible studies. Which, by the way, uh, we're having a Bible study through the Book of Ecclesiastes. I'm actually going to be leading. It. Yeah, you are. I'm excited about that. that I'm excited. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we. I mean, we've been talking about just we, for a long time. A long time about just Ecclesiastes and uh-huh. um and I was I I've, I've been reading Ecclesiastes at nighttime a little bit uh, the last just couple months reading just yeah. like uh, a couple of verses here and there. I mean, I read it through um, and then I was like, you know what? Let me go back. Is there just a lot of just great thing in there and just what? Uh, yeah. So um, and it's all vanity, bro. It is. The book of Ecclesiastes is equivalent to even talking about the doctrine of sin. Yes. Just total depravity. It has that same same weight. Yeah. So it's it's great. And I've I've been wanting to do a little midweek podcast here with yeah. just you and I on yeah. the book of Ecclesiastes. So maybe we'll hit that. Yeah, maybe we'll hit that. We'll see. But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. And if you guys haven't read Ecclesiastes in a while, just go just back. Do you, it. Can, you just do, do it. it. You can go through it fairly yeah. quickly. And, read that and then listen to this yeah. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So uh, that's pretty awesome. Um, two, even our our in-state listener, we got some encouraging words from um, our friend from Houston. Oh, yes. Bob Bob, Hop- Bob Hawkins. Bob, yes. Bob, thank, thank you so much for listening. Yes. He, he gave us a phone call recently. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh, was just saying that how much he appreciated the podcast, yes. and he definitely shares it with everybody he, he comes across, and yeah. he's just been a big supporter, yeah. and he wants to actually do a bridge out in Houston. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah so that man, was you can't cough. We haven't introduced you yet, man. <laughs> that tickles in my throat. <laughs> okay. okay, we'll go ahead, we'll yeah, get yeah, and let, introduce you. Let's introduce you. He, uh, he, is, he is my pastor. Um, it's been an absolute honor to get to know him these, uh, these, these last year and a couple of months, too, mm. now that I've been attending his church. He's been an absolute blessing to me. Uh, but uh, Jeremy Bolo, he's the uh, pastor of Grace Community Church, and uh, sadly, he's going to be leaving to uh, Los Angeles to attend Master Seminary. But that's awesome. That's God's will. So uh, yeah. yeah, just introduce a little bit of a uh, little bit of about yourself and uh, for those who might not know you. Yeah, glad to be here again. I've been on twice as a co-host. So this and was now the, you're the interviewer. Today yes. is my promotion. Yeah, today's your promotion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you have been on, but not as a first time like yeah. main guest. But yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's an honor. It's an honor. And then right when you're leaving too to LA. Yeah. I know. Well. You, you, you snuck me in right before my exit. <laughs> I know. Isn't yeah. that terrible? Like you just yeah. Like, <laughs> it's gonna be. It's a tough week, man. We're heading out uh, soon in, yeah. s- in a few days, and um, looking forward to the next chapter in mm, Los Angeles right. at the Master Seminary, but. We have, you know, loved ones in the church here, and we'll miss miss them very much. Miss you guys very much, mm-hmm. but excited about what the Lord's doing here in Laredo. Yeah, we're we're excited. So, what is the what is one of the most thing that you're excited about going to masters and what are, you know, um, and being out there and seeing what God is going to do? Because this is a this is a pretty big change. I mean, you are uh, putting a halt temporarily to your. A pastoral right. uh, uh, career here mm-hmm. or ministry and, and to uh, get uh, educated and learn more so that you can, I'm assuming to become a little bit more effective, I guess, or yeah, my, knowledge or I, I don't know. I'm just kind of assuming that. Yeah, no, I mean, my desire is to pastor. Mm. So I don't want to change direction. I, I don't think the Lord's changing my direction in terms of my calling to pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that burden. Uh, so it, really, this this opportunity came up with Masters, and as my wife and I began praying about it and, mm. and seeking to take counsel, God just made it very apparent that this was the next step for us. I'm looking forward to just being able to uh, deepen my well, honestly, yeah. spend time purely devoted to, um, of course, ministering at, at opportunities I, I may have, but really putting the majority of my time and, and focus on deepening my well, being surrounded by godly men mm. who can teach me in the classroom, mentor yeah. me outside of it, uh, being under the preaching of Pastor John MacArthur and others at Grace Church there in California, and mm. just going deeper. I, I'm, I'm excited about delving into the languages and, and Ooh, yeah. furthering my study in Greek and Hebrew. Right. Oh, that's, that sounds um, awesome. So it, it's really, a, I see it as... Yeah, a, a temporary halt to yeah. the week in and week out pastoral ministry. Yeah. But as I was praying about it, I really was seeking, along with my wife, to answer the one question that I think every Christian needs to answer, mm. which is how can we be the most faithful stewards of the time, opportunities, and resources that God has right. lent, mm. yeah, lent yeah. to us? And so, whether that's a job, whether it's um, how you spend your money, we just needed to pray and say, Lord, you've provided this opportunity. Uh, you've led us this far. How can we be faithful stewards to it? And so the Lord's having us go out to L.A. 
That's exciting. And we and I think Huli and I are excited to see what the Lord is going to be doing in your life with everything. And 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 we just got to meet each other, Jeremy, just uh, uh, here in the last month, a month and a half or two months or so. Feels like a lot longer. Than yeah, that. and 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 definitely. Uh, um, uh, it's been a very blessing yeah. to get to know you and your wife. Likewise. So, so sorry we didn't have enough time. But you know that, uh, 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 what was it, last month when we came to your church uh, while Phil was here, and he's a huge Cubs fan. So hopefully we, if the Cubbies make the playoff, like we can get out there. And, and I told him, I was like, hey, can we hit up a game? And he's like, yeah, sure. So now we can just say, hey, Jeremy, can you want to come to the Cubs game and bring <laughs> yeah. Phil? No. Yeah, <laughs> Phil and Darlene Johnson are, are Cubbies. What do yeah. you call, I'm a Phillies fan, but what do you call a Cubs Fanatic, uh, a cubby. No, it's a, a cub. You're, you're a Cubby's you're fan. Cub. Yeah, that, that's okay. your cub. yeah. So my wife is from Philly, and she's a big yeah Philly fan. So yeah, yeah. so we, we'll we'll bump heads when, uh, especially the playoffs. Is the Bears played the Philly, and we lost at yeah. last field goal. The Bears. Yeah. There's also the uh, Puritan <laughs> Conference out in LA 2020. Huh, there you go. Probably yeah. gonna be out there that's too. Right. So yeah, Joel Joel Beaky is, Mr. Joel is Beakey. putting that on. So. Yeah. All righty. Well, that's pretty cool. So, again, the topic for today is going to be about sin, total, depra- total depravity, um, how we should look at that, especially being Christians, unbelievers. Unbel- yeah, go, no, go ahead. Who's did you there? remember the question when we did Romans and sin that I asked you? Um, how many sins does it take for you to be a sinner? Remember oh, yeah. That? yeah. Yeah, answer that question, Jeremy. One. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> Zero! <laughs> oh, yeah. If you're going back to... Yeah. 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 No. Um, I was thinking of James. If you broke the law at one point, you're guilty of all of it. Yeah. Dude, you just, you just clipped horribly right now. In the I know, you people, saw that. People in the car are going to be like, what was that? They're yeah. Lower down there. No. Yeah, you just clipped I, terribly I, here. I said it like that because I asked Julio the same question when we were going through <laughs> Romans. And yeah, I and like, I said no. one. Yeah, and, and then he's like, oh, thanks for making me look like a fool. And <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. no, I was, I was just playing around. Cause, but hey, we like to have fun, but we are going to be talking on a very serious topic right yeah. now. Um, again, as much as we like to enjoy, we, we take this very serious and we're excited to have uh, Jeremy come on and, 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 and and teach about this, yeah. uh, especially um, in an environment in a day of society where we live, where sin gets easily just brushed like it's nothing. Yeah. So where, where would you want to open us up? Uh, I'll, I'll have you just kind of take the floor on the on the subject. Yeah, well, sin, it's a big issue, obviously. Yeah. Um, of of the over what is it sixteen hundred chapters in scripture? Um, mm-hmm. I think there's two that don't mention sin. Do you know which ones they are? I do not. I do not. Genesis Educate. one and two. <laughs> oh, that was another trick question. You yeah. got us back. Got you back. Oh, got one, you. One. Oh, one one. Um, I'm but, just a lay guy. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> no, but but obviously on every page of scripture, just about you've you've got the issue of sin, mm. and without the issue of sin. There's no need for the gospel. Mm. The the whole idea of redemption and reconciliation, propitiation, atonement is is not needed apart from sin. And so we need to understand sin. And and yet, as you guys alluded to already, sin is a subject that is, if not completely ignored, near ignored, in sadly, a great majority of of evangelical churches today. Yeah. I mean, there there are churches faithfully teaching the doctrine of total depravity and sin, but how often have we heard sin uh, equated to mistakes, yeah, errors, nobody's perfect, that yeah. kind of language, sure, as opposed to what it actually is, which which as we'll look at as we open up God's Word, 
it is alarming and and it should be frightening. Yeah. The reality of sin. Yeah. And and you use those terms mistake, you use one. What what's the issue with um, redefining it, or maybe just kind of soft pedaling that term in that in that way, using those terms instead of the actual word sin. What does that do? Does it distort anything? Oh yeah, because it makes the the perpetrator innocent to a degree. Mm-hmm. You know, I misstepped. Yeah. Mm, sorry. Oh, I made a mistake. My bad. Uh, you see this in how people apologize. Yeah. Right. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to yell at you. <laughs> oh, you didn't? Well, then why did you? Right? Yeah. And it's it's really blame shifting. It's saying, you know, how how often have we heard this? Somebody says, "Sorry for my language. I, you don't. I don't normally talk like that." Mm. Or that's not me. Mm. Right? Right. Yeah. Well, what are you doing? You're you're kind of admitting it a little bit, but then you're really saying, "But it's not actually my fault. That's not who I really am." And that was kind of an anomaly in my life. I don't typically act like that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just it's downplaying sin. Yeah. And so churches, pastors, Christians may mention sin, the word sin, and we'll look at what the biblical term is, but even then you you have to discuss, well, what do you mean by sin or what's the emphasis you put on sin? Yeah, I can check the box of orthodoxy and say, yes, I presented sin and talked about sin in my gospel presentation or my preaching, got it next. But what emphasis do we put on it as opposed to what Scripture puts on it? And that's what we'll discover today in the, in the book of Romans. Mm-hmm. Um, the first three chapters of Romans are like a sledgehammer upon the human soul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it it crushes yeah. you, it does, and it yeah. brings you to the point of utter hopelessness mm-hmm. until two words, which we'll see. But do we really understand the gravitas of sin, mm-hmm. the weight of our transgressions? Yeah. Yeah. So... You, I, I guess from this point, you want to go ahead and dive into the uh, the Book of Romans. Yeah. So, well, we'll get. Yeah, let's get there in a second. The, okay. The the study of sin is known as homardiology, and that's from the Greek word homardia, which this is important. It means missing the target. Mm. Okay. And then we have logia, which is the Greek word for study. So homardiology, um, okay. it's the study of missing the target. Mm-hmm. And you say, okay. Maybe that's not how I would choose to define sin, miss the target. What was the target I was supposed to hit? Mm -hmm. And that's where in Romans 3.23, we have, I think, many children, you know, memorize this in Sunday school. For all have sinned and fallen short short of the glory of God. So in its essential nature, if we're going to define sin, sin is the failure to meet God's perfect standard of righteousness. Mm Mm-hmm. What is sin? Well, John tells us, 1 John 3, 4, sin is lawlessness. Yeah. And there's two dimensions to this lawlessness, which we need to keep in mind. Uh, Omission and commission. Mm. Most people think of sin as commission. I'll tell you a story. I was having a a study when I was playing professional soccer. I would weekly have a study with about six or eight of my teammates. And I was talking about sin and describing the standard of God's law and and on and on. and. Um, one of my teammates frustratedly turns to me and says, man, if I'm not going to sin, I've got to sit in a room all day and just stare at the wall. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, and that's still not going to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because then at that point, you might not be committing what you shouldn't commit, but then you're not doing what you ought to be doing. Mm-hmm. So sin is not just negatively putting off. It's sure. positively the, 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 the um, result of failing to positively put on. Mm-hmm. Sure. So you've got omission, which is negatively not doing what we're required to do. Mm-hmm. But then you've got commission, which is positively doing what we're 
required not to do. Yeah. So it's not enough that you just haven't murdered someone. Mm. There's a positive dimension to sin, which we're failing at. And we see this in the in the commands upon which all the law and prophets hang. Yeah. Love yeah. the mm. Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And soul. That, that's Love so, your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's so funny that you mentioned that because my wife just <clears throat> just on, on Sunday after we we were at church, she, she she was just saying, "I just don't love God like I should," and I fall short. And she was reminded of that. Yeah. And I was like, "Yes." <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's this it's this radical failure to to hit the mark. Mm -hmm. We need a redefinition of sin in our society. We don't see sin how God sees sin. Yeah, I was on the campus of TAMU, Texas A&M International, here in Laredo, and um, I I was you know asking a, a student about sin and. They, they profess to believe the Bible and believe in God. And I, I quoted to them Genesis 6-5. God looks down upon the children of man, and the thoughts of his heart is only evil, evil. continually. continually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I looked at them and I said, do you believe that your thoughts are only evil all the time? No. So, so are you calling God a liar? Well, no. Well, then what is it? Yeah. But there we, we don't really think about that, but there we're on the horns of the dilemma of, wait, the way I define sin doesn't seem to be the same way the Bible defines sin. Because we think of sin in those mega things. Don't commit adultery. I haven't done that physically. I haven't murdered someone physically. I haven't cheated on my taxes Mm -hmm. yet. Um, So I'm not really in that class of sinner. Right. But wait a second. I've been on the street with prostitutes and and crack dealers talking to them about their sin. And do you know what they say? I'm not as bad as she is. Do you know what she did yesterday? Yeah. I'm not as bad as he is. And they've got crack in their hand, about to sell it. And I'm saying, okay, so we've, we have this moving target of what we think sin is and how bad it is. And it's always relative compared to what someone else has done. Someone yeah. else is always worse. Yeah. And that's a standard for a lot of people. That's the standard. That that's they the compare themselves to somebody else right. and what they're doing. And and here's here's what's what we need to do. It's it's like sheep in a field. If uh, against the the northern Irish hills and their beautiful green grass and you see a, a flock of sheep. Um, a herd of sheep. <laughs> Wrong animal. <laughs> yeah. They all look white and in stark contrast against the green grass. Mhm. All these white sheep. If you were to take one of those sheep and put them up against a freshly painted, stark white wall, yeah. you're actually going to go, wow, that sheep is kind of yellow. Yellow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like kind of dirty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but when comparing with one another against the wolves or yeah. the grass, they're going, hey, I'm pretty white. I'm yeah. pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's what we do as people. Yeah. I look at you and go, well, I would never do what you do. <laughs> yeah. And then I look at Julio and go, well, I would never stumble like Julio does. Yeah. And of course, we judge each other based on our preferences, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But that's not the biblical standard. Yeah. You go to 1 Corinthians 10.31, and God says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Yeah. Oh, now I start to see why God can look at the children of man and say, all they think about is evil. Yeah. yeah. Here's another illustration. 
imagine you're, you've kind of got the binoculars on and you're zoomed into a traumatic war scene. We've all seen the movies, Saving Private Ryan. Or you see one soldier who's been injured brutally and his fellow soldier comes up and runs to him in the middle of the field and the bullets are whizzing by, scraping even him and bombs are going off and it's loud and he's risking his own life to save his fellow soldier. And he puts him on his shoulders, he's gonna take him back to the bunker. And the fellow soldier is saying, leave me, die, don't, leave me to die, don't, don't, don't give your life for me, I'm, I'm, I'm a goner, save mm-hmm. yourself. No, I'm not gonna leave you, I'm gonna save you. What are you thinking about that soldier? He's a hero. Right? You're sitting here looking at this guy going, what bravery, what honor. And he gets him back to the barricade and he puts the tourniquet on his wound and he's, he's, he's taking care of him and, and chills go up your spine and, at the bravery. But let's zoom out a, bit, a minute and look around at the bunker and all of a sudden you see a flag waving. And it's the black flag of ISIS. And you start to notice their uniforms. And the war they were engaged in was they were trying to overtake Mosul, to hmm. rape, kill, and pillage. How does your sentiment towards that soldier change? Yeah. yeah. Like that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Is he worth rescuing? Yeah. Now you're not going, oh, what a hero. You're going, yeah. what wicked men. Yeah. yeah. They should have both been destroyed. Yeah. No. This is how we see sin. Hmm. I'm picking up my fellow buddy on the, on the battlefield. And I'm building hospitals for children. And I'm giving a charity. Look how good I am. Mm. The problem is, you're on the wrong team. Yeah. Yeah. You're wearing the wrong uniform. Yeah. You're not a child of God. Like Jesus said to the Pharisees in John 8, you are sons of the devil. Mm. Yeah. And your will is to do your father's will. And tragically, as we'll see in Romans, that's the natural condition of all people. Yeah. It starts to get real serious real quick. It yeah. does. It does. Yeah. It's, it's powerful. Yeah, and I, and, I, and, and I think that's just even with a workspace religion, when yeah. you were just talking about, when you ask them, why are you a good person? Uh, and just going back, you were talking about it, it's always they're going to mention things that they haven't done and comparing themselves to a rapist, right? A murderer. Mm-hmm. Or a, Hitler. A Hitler. Or the, well, I'm not like, like Hitler. Yeah, I'm not like this or I'm not we, like I've that. heard that one a lot. Um, and just completely ignore all the other things right. that the Bible says about sin and, and, and yeah. And, and now it's like, well, I'm not as bad as the next person. And, and, and let me just, that's exactly right. And, and here's, herein lies the problem. If we don't understand sin properly, the gravity of sin, the weight of sin, we're not going to understand the message of the gospel yes. properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything hinges on sin. Yeah. Because you you pervert the 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 doctrine of sin, you pervert homardiology, a biblical understanding of our depravity, and it will affect every other point of doctrine. Yes. And that's what we've seen today in our society. We have stopped preaching the disease from the pulpit, and so we're giving the wrong cure. So we're appealing to people's felt needs and giving them the cure for their felt need as Mm -hmm. opposed to telling them of their real need and giving them the real cure. And so we've seen a downplay of sin, which means a downplay of the gospel, which means a downplay of the glory of God, which Mm -hmm. means a downplay on the weight of what Christ has accomplished, which means a downplay on sanctification. It downplays everything. It's the, the, the root from which... 
all other truth must flow. Yeah. To have a biblical understanding of sin gives a gravity to our message. It gives a seriousness to our tone. It, it gives a, a, just a depth of, of understanding to how glorious Christ's salvation is. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're going to end today in, in our discussion. Yeah. You can't talk about sin without being absolutely enwrapped into the glorious reality of what Christ has done in his life, death, and resurrection. Yeah. And my desire pastorally to my people, to the listeners today, is that as we discuss the weight of sin, your, your vision of Christ and love for Christ mm. will exponentially expand. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think Julio and I on this podcast many times have talked about it's just Romans of, uh, in Romans of, because when I, be, when God got a hold of me, Romans was the answer that I've realized who I am because I did not understand who I was. Right. And I was like, yes, this is me. This is yeah. me right yeah, here. Yeah. And I couldn't understand, I, I really couldn't understand it. And 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 I got slapped in the faith really hard with Romans 1, 2, and 3. Yeah. And then because of that, I see God's glory and what he's done because I don't deserve it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's beautiful. It's yeah. masterful yeah. what Paul does in the first three chapters of Romans. Yeah. Now, let me just say this. So in talking about sin, it always begins with God. You heard it in Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God's glory. Have you noticed throughout Scripture that when God's glory is revealed, the response of the people to whom it's revealed? Yeah, Isaiah chapter 6. Yes. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each with six wings. With two he flew, with two he covered his eyes, with two he covered his feet. And and one called out to the other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole, whole earth is full of his glory. And the, the foundations of the temple shook at the voice of him who called, and it was filled with smoke. And my goodness, you're in the first four verses wrapped up into this vision of Isaiah. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, what a profound vision of the Lord. The angels themselves won't even look at him. Mm -hmm. The morally pure angels, they've never sinned. They're they're not defiled, but for the third that fell. And they won't even look at him. They cover their feet, the symbol of their creatureliness, before this glorious God, who, by the way, John says in John 12, is Jesus. Yes. Mm -hmm. But what's the response of Isaiah? Whoa, what a awesome picture. No. Wow, I can't wait till I tell the, the Israel. No. Immediately a recognition of his dirtiness. Yeah. yeah. And he's afraid. Terror. And, and we, I'm sorry. And we see that even when the disciples are in the water, right? Luke chapter 5. Exactly. Yeah. When they see what's going on here, they tr- they fear they're they're scared what Jesus did, right? Cuz they realize and when the Bible says and they trembled. They were afraid. Oh, yeah. And, and when we encounter the holy living God, it's, just, yeah. it's terrifying. It's terrifying. Yeah. I mean, in Luke 5, Jesus comes to the shoreline and, and tells Peter, who's an expert fisherman, cast over your nets to the other side. Now, here's Peter and the others thinking, we're pros at this. We've done this all night. Okay, Jesus, we'll honor you and do this. Yeah. But they're probably rolling their eyes thinking, what's going to happen? The, 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 the net is filled to overflowing. It starts <laughs> breaking with all the fish. All, this, all the fish in the sea practically jump into this net. Yeah. Mm. 
I love what R.C. Sproul says. His response would have been to get to shore and say, okay, Jesus, so I've got this contract. You're going to come down on once, <laughs> once a month on Saturday. You're going to yeah. sign here. Just give us five minutes a month, yeah. and, and we're good. <laughs> but you know what Peter does? He falls down. He says, depart from, from me. me. Yeah. I'm a it's sinful a man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I really love what happens next. They left everything oh, yeah. and followed Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, drop. you mean they, they just dropped the prophet? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They just dropped the biggest catch of their life? Yep. But what we've got to see is they saw a faint glimpse of Jesus' glory, and they immediately recognized, I'm a sinner. sinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you see the glory of God, no one stands with their chest out and their chin up. It is inherent. It is inherently you drop humbling. down. Yeah. yeah. John in Revelation one seventeen mm-hmm. turns to see who's speaking to him, and it's the Son of Man, Jesus Himself, and He says, "I fell like dead." Yeah. And Jesus had to approach him and say, "Stand up." Yeah. But His response was to fall. I, it's it's. I like to contrast the angels. Um, when if you look through Scripture and you see man's response to angels, they fall on their face in terror. Yeah. In Revelation nineteen, Revelation twenty one, twice John tries to fall down and worship an angel. Yeah, and, and he, he says, him, "Don't do that." Yeah, I'm I'm just a creature like yeah. you worship God. But then look at the angels' response to God. Reverential fear. Mm-hmm. honor because of his holiness yeah. and they're perfect so we've got to begin with a vision of god yeah. you want to know why sin is downplayed in our churches you want to know why sin is downplayed in the humanistic gospel which we've concocted because god's glory is downplayed mm. yeah when church becomes about you and not about god it's the domino. The dominoes are tipped. They yeah. start to fall. Then the focus is on your glory, not his. And therefore, you can't help it but lose sight of your sinfulness and your condition. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I, absolutely. I, I think that we, you know, just talking about the prosperity gospel and that uh, the church was a Bethel church with the filling up with the dust that oh, yeah. uh, Justin Peters talked to, <laughs> has talked about in his documentary. But I find it amazing when we even worship, right, that we sing all this about God's glory and, you know, people say, fill this place with, you know, with your your spirit. Presence and da, da, da. come down. But fire yet fall the, down is fire, a very, yeah. very common one. I'm like, you don't, but, you don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but even when we sing our, you know, hymns or whatever, how we worship, we, we, we speak of about God's glory. And I think the sad thing is, is that when... We see a, a shepherd or a pastor go up in the pulpit just completely downplaying that after just seeing just great powerful hymns or just words of worship about his glory and then hey, it's not at the pulpit. Right. Yeah, it's a major letdown. <laughs> yeah. That's like Which is why you see a trend in, in many churches of after two or three years people are moving on. And it's very, it's, it's the, because there's not the depth there and they're saying we need to be fed. True believers are saying we need to be fed. Give me truth. Yeah. 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 Um, I want us to go to Romans one. Okay. Because Romans one is like an avalanche upon the soul. It's a sledgehammer. It is. (laughs) It, It is. It is absolutely staggering what the apostle Paul reveals here. 
Get ready. Um, so the dimensions, and, and I, what I want to do is, I mean, I'm sure many of your listeners have read Romans 1 over and over, but, but I want to point out various dimensions of man's sin problem. And so Romans 1.18, we read that the wrath of God is, is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And, and there we have a moral, willful suppression. The suppression of truth is not an accident. It's willful. Yeah, it's not yeah. a mistake. It's not going mistake. back to what we're talking about. Exactly. And and here's here's the indictment, verse 19, for what can be known about God is plain to them because yeah. God has shown it to them. Yeah. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived, important word, ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. <laughs> for although they knew God... They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their, and here's the word, thinking. Mm-hmm. And the, the first thing I want us to note about sin is sin is all-pervasive. In the doctrine of total depravity, total depravity doesn't mean every single human soul is as wicked as it can be. Sure, yeah. By God's grace, there is common grace. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the most wicked person alive today is not nearly as wicked as they could be. Yeah. Yes. What total depravity means, the biblical doctrine teaches that sin is every in every fiber of of our personhood. Mm -hmm. And that's what we see here. Sin is all pervasive. Where is it here? The mind. Notice they, they, his, God's, God's attributes, his invisible attributes have been clearly perceived. This is mental. Mm -hmm. There's a mental recognition here in verse 20. And then in verse 21, although they knew They've gained a knowledge of God. They've, they've actually comprehended a dimension of God's revelation to man with their minds. So then you see midway through or towards the end of verse 21, they became futile in their thinking. thinking. Yeah, Their mind has been corrupted. And so as we look around this world and as we see even in our own, in our own persons, there is a corruption of our thinking. Yeah. Just, just to go a little bit off of that, I remember one time taking a class in logic and studying logic one time. And obviously I would say the laws of logic are a reflection of God within himself. I would actually say that he uses the, the laws of logic perfectly. I mean, uh, contradictions. I mean, that's just flawless thinking if you could do that. I remember one time look, just sitting in the class and looking at all these. I mean, they're pretty much mathematical equations. And I was like, I fall short of that drastically. Yeah. I mean, immensely to the point where I couldn't even... I have to learn this. I have to learn how to think. That's how far behind I am in right. my mental cap- capabilities. And I have to study about logic because I don't have it. And that's the effect of sin itself. And, and Jeremy, just for our listeners who are reading this, who maybe have heard it for, I'm sure a lot of our listeners heard it, heard it before, but I know that we have a lot of listeners that haven't. Uh, we would call this right here uh, natural re- revelation, that God has revealed yeah. himself to us. And the indictment that you're talking about is done right there because in, in, in verse uh, 20 it says, we have no excuse because he's revealed right. himself in in this way through creation is invisible attributes for since the creation of the world is visible after eternal power divine nature have been clearly seen and and we've talked about this before i love mountains and i love looking at stars at nighttime and every time i see it i'm just like wow yeah you can't help this is this is the testimony against 
the human soul of the natural revelation of creation. Right. It's interesting, Francis Crick, who is responsible for discovering DNA, quote, uh, once, once said a very ironic uh, statement. He said he constantly needs to remind his students as they're studying DNA that what they're studying has not been created. Hmm. Because y you've got the students looking, going, Hey, Francis, I think someone made the... No, okay, nobody made this. Okay, it's just... Oh, wait, but it looks like someone made this. No chance? Okay, got it. He says, I yeah. constantly have to remind them this hasn't been created. This hasn't been created. Because it's screaming at us, mm -hmm. someone made this. Yeah. Because yeah. when you look at DNA... It, you see design. Yeah. Ta go study the formation of a child in the womb. Yeah. You cannot get away from the divinity there. Mm. There is something divine mm. to the, the formation of a baby yeah. in the womb. I've, I've talked about this on the program. When, yeah. when I was in a, my biology class and I was looking at, they were showing a video of the, just the reproductive, how, how a baby is formed in the womb. I literally got anxiety and had to walk out to go get a drink of water. That's how powerful it was suppressed just on me. And it was insane. That's everywhere. You yeah. think about the smallest molecular structures to the, to the Mount Everest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's breathtaking. Yeah. So people have to intentionally suppress what is screaming at them. Mm -hmm. yeah. Francis Schaeffer. God is there and he is not silent. Yeah. Remember that book? He, God is not quiet. And when Richard Dawkins stands before God in glory and says, well, I didn't know, <laughs> God will laugh in derision and say, I showed you with every leaf on every tree, with every breath you breathe, I'm here. And it will be a day of reckoning for those yeah. who've denied what has been explicitly revealed in creation. Wow, and they will mourn. And they will weep, as Jesus says. You It'll know, be a, a gnashing of teeth. A day of terror. Yes. So, so we see sin is all pervasive. It affects the mind, the neuthetic effects of sin. Mm. But look there at the second part of verse 21. And he says, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Now, mm. the heart, he's not talking about the physical beating heart, pumping blood through your body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This denotes the center of all physical and spiritual life. This really, you could say, sin is all pervasive. It's pervaded the heart or what could perhaps be helpful to understand the will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the headquarters of your functioning. I want to do this. I want to do this. Their foolish hearts were darkened. And so we see that throughout and we'll see that throughout the, the rest of the text. But now people want to do something hmm. opposite the commands and the law of God. Yeah, their their passions. That's why Luther talked about the bondage of the will. Mm -hmm. um, th there's there's hatred um, in their in their desires for God. Um, going on, verse twenty two, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged. And and notice now they're doing something. They're actually mm -hmm. acting out on their will. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now not only is it this thought inside, but they're actually doing something. Mm -hmm. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And let's just note here, sin is irrational. It's irrational. Sin causes us to worship the created rather than the creator. Yeah. Which is crazy. When we, I... <laughs> we see that now with AI. Have you have you seen? I could, I, actually, I'm going to put yeah. a, in the description a link of yeah. these 
A, they're trying to create AI gods and Silicon Valley has some people that actually want yeah. to worship and create their own religion to that. That's how far, that's like a modern day example of really what, where we're coming. It's nothing new. It's nothing under the sun. And so There's nothing and new under the there, sun. There isn't. Ecclesiastes, I love it. Um, can we, can we, and, and the exchange, I just want to, uh, I want to, that's where um, I, I want to just for, for one minute here, uh, before God got a hold of me, I first of all grew up in a Christian home. I went to a Christian school, um, but I knew of God and I knew of Jesus. But I was lost in my way to hell, and until God drew Himself to. And I, when I was reading Romans, this is where I sat in my sin that because I knew God has given me that natural general revelation. I had a big hole in my heart, right? And I filled my life with other things to fill that void. And I was just in my sin, my loss, like trying to find these things that would make me happy, not knowing that only Christ was going to fill that void for me. And when I read this and I was like, this is me. And I said this earlier when we were just talking, this is me. Right. And it's just like, by God's grace, so you know, uh, took me out of darkness and opened my eyes to who I am. Yeah, and it's the it's the base condition of all men, what we see in these verses, yes. is exactly what you described in your personal experience, is that we are taking, exchanging God's glory. We were made and designed to worship and serve and enjoy God. And instead of that, we exchange His glory for our glory. Yeah. So we worship and serve, and we'll see in the next verses, we worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. Mm. That's idolatry. Yes. And it's the root condition of, of the human heart, and it's really the, the root on the tree of sin. And you see in this chapter, at the end of the chapter, there's almost like this popcorn popping of just sin after sin after sin after sin. That's kind of how, you know, it's like the 4th of July, the uh, the uh, fireworks show that just is the, the finale for this glorious, you know, spectacle. Well, Paul at the end of Romans 1 just says, okay, let's just dump all the sins in there. Mm-hmm. And you can't escape this list. Yeah. Well, what's the root of it? Instead of worshiping God. We worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. And then we celebrate it, as you see in 132, uh, right? We give hearty approval of things who practices. Yeah. We celebrate that sin. Right. That's so scary. Right. You know, like, and obviously we're right now with just this whole abortion thing that's going on, just to keep it, just nuttiness of what people are saying about abortion and, right. and, and, and calling, um, Babies, a thing, and or you know, this is my body, and just all the other things that are involved with that, and and it's sad, and it scares me as a nation um, because of it, um, and always wondering when God's judgment and His patience runs out in this nation. Yeah, and, and but yeah, well, it's all it's all a result, and and we see that as you get to the end verses, verse twenty nine. The result is they're filled with all manner of unrighteousness, mm-hmm. evil, covetous, malice. They're full of murder, Slander, strife, envy. And, and something interesting to note here, we often go through, and we were talking about this at the start, the popular notion of what sin is. Murder, yeah, get that. The, um, you know, what else? Uh, boastful, yeah, we shouldn't be proud. Inventors of evil, okay. Uh, but but notice what's 
right next to the other sins, you have <laughs> haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. Yeah. Wow. Foolish. Faithless. Well, ruthless and heartless, we understand, but foolishness? I mean, as you look at this list, Paul is putting into perspective that our sin is not to be defined by our standards of looking at one another or what society accepts. It's compared to who God is in his holiness and our utter rejection of worshiping him. And we're just given over so that out of our lives are just flowing sin upon sin upon sin. It's a very scary, um, weighty, sober reminder. And and really, um, Paul is teaching us here about the multifaceted nature of sin. And again, we see um, sin is defiling, it's debasing, to, to worship and serve the creature rather than the holy God. You see in verse 26, for this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Now, that giving up, it's the uh, Greek word which means to deliver over to someone to manage, to care for. It's enslaving. God is giving you an enslavement to your own passions. And that's a and that's a judgment. It's on, a judgment on them already. Well, They're, remember Romans one eighteen: for the wrath of God is being revealed. Yeah, this is the judgment. Yeah, you know we often speak, and and it's easy for us to speak in this country as well about, well, the wrath of God is coming, and will we escape the wrath of God? Yes, the wrath of God is here. Mm. Pre-mill, baby. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> the, the wrath of God is being revealed. Deal. Yes. How? In the giving over yeah. to sin, to our passions. So yeah. you say, we're going to be judged for this. Yes, eschatologically, there will be a consummate judgment, mm-hmm. but we are being judged. Yes. In the very fact that people have been given over to the defilement of the flesh. Yeah. You want this? Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Yeah. And, and you see, I mean, the scariest place to be. Think about this. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, the most terrifying place you can be is to be without conviction. Mm. Because what will damn a soul? Sin. Satan doesn't damn a person. Your sin condemns you. The Holy Spirit in his mercy points out your sin. If there's no conviction in your life, that's a terrifying place to be because it means the Holy Spirit is not bothering to point out your sin. Hmm. So when someone comes to me alarmed about their sin and saying, I've, I'm, I'm a sinner before a holy God, I'm saying, great place to be. Yeah. Mm. That is the That's mercy good. of God. Okay. Yeah. Because he's awakening you to your need for a Savior. It's terrifying to think you don't need a Savior. Yeah. And, and I think, too, is that who are we being saved from? Is a like yeah, this is your sin, and uh, I, I know that there's a lot of people who's like, well, you know, I was like, who are you being saved? Oh, from the devil. I was like, no, being from God, from a holy God yeah. Himself, and that's just like, what? Mm-hmm. Right? He is the good judge. He's a good. He must good. punish sin. sin, and that's what makes it scary. Right? Yeah. Yeah, the the scariest thing you can say, and I say this sometimes to college students on, on the campus or whomever I'm speaking with, um, do you want to know the most terrifying thing about God? And people brace themselves or they think, you know, okay, it's this or that. 
he is good. Mm-hmm. Wait, what do you mean? Why is that? Ter- why is that terrifying? That's a good thing. No, because you're not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a good God is a just God. Yeah. Proverbs seventeen seventeen. Mm-hmm. He who justifies the wicked and condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to mm-hmm. God. Yeah. He it, must punish the wicked. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's also this thought within Christianity right now, and I've come come across it over and over and over again, is this, no, well, God is love. God is love. Yeah. Um, what would your response to be if there was a college student say, well, God's love says in the Bible. Yeah, we hear that a lot. Epistle of John, yeah, you know, he he's love. He is love. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he is love, therefore he must hate. Yeah. I love my daughter. I would hate the abuse or violence to be done to her. And it would demand justice because I love her. His love compels him to justice. Yeah. Think about it this way. Somebody, somebody uh, murders someone you're close to and love very much. And he goes to trial. He's been caught. Evidence is on tape. He's as good as guilty, right? And here comes the day of reckoning, the day of judgment. And this man has, has taken someone you love dearly. And the judge gets up to give the sentence and he prefaces his sentence by saying, you know, I know you've done this wicked deed, but I'm a loving judge. So you can go free. Not guilty. What what would be the first response? You would look at that judge and say, you're more wicked than the man who killed my loved one. Uh Because you're unjust. Yeah. Love demands justice. Yeah. Yeah. And so God's love and his wrath are not opposed to each other. There's no contradiction within God, which is something we need to understand. None of his attributes contradict one another, nor diminish another. We can read Romans 9 and God saying, I will condemn men to eternal judgment for my glory. Yeah, that's right. And recognize that God will be glorified in judgment and in salvation mm-hmm. equally. Yes. Yeah. Because none of us deserve it. Right. Right. And um, when we're just talking about everybody, you know, God is love. And, and until you let them know, it's like, well, what about the pedophile who rapes little kids? and doesn't get caught what we think is justice here on this earth mm-hmm. people are going to say well I don't know right well guess what that guy doesn't repent he will get judged for those things because we we will all get judged as Christians and as sinners right and in that he will be fair right and we see a degree of punishment in the Bible, right? Jesus is talking to these Pharisees in this uh, uh, in this area where he's doing two thirds of his ministry. You know, uh, Bethsaida, Coruscant, and said, "You will burn hotter than the people of what Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah." Mm-hmm. Right. So right there, we see even in the fall of the wicked, there will be a degrees because what they were given more light than the people in Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, and. and, and, and it, and I, yeah, I was not trying to get off track, but just God's judgment in that and, and what he's going to do because of sin, separating us from it mm-hmm. and, and him even being just with the um, wicked and judging them according to uh, their deeds, as we see in Revelation at the Great White Thumb, their judgment as they get raised up physically. Yeah. Yeah, I was going I was going to I wanted you to touch on a little bit, too, about 
the weightier things of the law. Because mm. some people could see, well, you know, is, is all sin the same? Or are there mm. more sins, you know, to run the t- topic of sin, are, are sins more weightier than the other? Are they all the same? Uh, com- common objection, common question. Yeah, great question, great objection. Um, here's what's in- interesting about Romans 1 and 2. So Romans 1, Paul addresses all humanity. Now here, he from the Jewish perspective, he's addressing the Gentiles. He's addressing those pagans who are without God, without mm. the law, right? And so he he has this climactic finish to Romans chapter 1 where he's just he's just pouring out all the various sins. But then he starts Romans chapter 2 this way, who are you, O man, who judges others? Or therefore yeah. you have no excuse, O man, every one of you judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same, same thing. Yeah. Now he's turned his sights on the religious. And he says, wait a second. And you go through Romans 2. He's talking to the religious Jew who boasts in the law, but secretly violates the law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He preaches against adultery, but he commits adultery. He preaches against stealing, but he robs temples. <laughs> he's, he himself is, is boasting in, in knowledge, but he's committing the same sins. And actually, there's a there's even a heightened judgment for him. Look at Romans chapter 2, verse 12. For all who have sinned without the law will perish without the law. Mm. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. Yeah. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law... They have less revelation. Mm-hmm. You've got three components of revelation here. You've got creation, you've got your conscience, which we'll see in a second, and then you've got the written word. Yeah. They don't have the written word. They, they don't have the scriptures. Paul talks about that in, in Romans 3. Mm-hmm. They, the Jews have been given the oracles of God. Right. Yeah. So they're not going to be judged by it because they don't have that light. They're not going to be judged for violating a law they didn't know was a law. By nature, verse 14, do what the law requires, their law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. Verse 15, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. So you see, verse 12, if you die without the law, you will be judged on the basis of the revelation you've rejected. Yeah. That's why the reality of being in the West right now with so much knowledge, with so much truth, that's why Paul says, you just mentioned, the the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah, he actually says they would have repented. Yes. Wow. But your judgment will be worse. Yeah. Because the more light, the more responsibility. Mm. That's scary. It's terrifying. That is scary. Think about this sentence. Sodom and Gomorrah did not have a Bible. Mm-hmm. If they had, Jesus says, they would have repented. Wow. And we've got a proliferation of knowledge, and we're rejecting it. On top of the full <laughs> canon. Yeah. Right. Um, just going back, or you were saying that the laws are written in our hearts in Romans 2.15. Um, Joseph, who didn't have the law, practiced that instinctively could have written his heart. He knew that sleeping with Potiphar's wife was first of all not a sin against Potiphar, but a sin against God. And he says, how can I do this injustice to God? And he knew that it was wrong 
right? He didn't know. He didn't know thou shalt not commit was, adultery. But Joseph knew because it was written in Psalm. And he it was came, before the written law. And it was before the law was given. You want to unpack like for, what the law is? Yeah. For, for those listeners who might be a little bit like, what are they talking about the law? Yeah. I mean, because that could just fly right over their heads. Yeah, and just we, be like, I don't yeah, know we what don't want to assume that everybody knows what we're sure. talking about for our listeners, especially our international audience or, you know, local audience that just doesn't know, maybe just came to know uh, Christ and are learning. And, and we, again, want to make sure we're teaching and explaining these things through. Yeah, so the law is God's revelation of morality, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yes. Of, of his legislation of mm-hmm. how we are to live in a way to honor him and to function as he created us to function. And so in the old covenant, to obviously to Adam and Eve, he gave one law. Don't eat of the tree of the fruit of good and evil. They disobeyed. We then see over the period of humanity, there's not another command given until you have the Mosaic covenant. And 613 very specific commands are given to the people of Israel. And we discover, if you look at Romans 3.19, why was this given? In order to shut men's mouths. Mm. In a sense, you had people who were being judged, and they're saying, wait a second, why are we paying for the sin of Adam and Eve? We wouldn't have broken the law. (laughs) So God says, okay, keep these. (laughs) And where are their excuses? Well, it shut their mouths. Mm. Oh, we we can't. Yeah. Mm. we're in violation of that. So, so men are shut up under the law. Now, the purpose of the law, we have to remember, the purpose of God's law in the old covenant was to condemn us. In this sense, it was an x-ray machine. Yeah. It was always pointing toward a savior. The law was not salvific. When you break your arm, you go to the doctor, he puts you in an x-ray machine. Why? To show you the extent of your, of your injury. But then he doesn't say, okay, you've got a broken arm, go back into the x-ray and we'll fix it. No, then he, the doctor, provides the cure. He provides the way forward, a prognosis, right? Mm -hmm. The law was designed to show men the utter depravity of our hearts, the emptiness, how we do not have righteousness, Mm -hmm. the righteousness required for heaven. And it was always designed to drive us toward the Savior, Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ. Doesn't Paul call it a mirror? The law of the Ten is a mirror to show us that we're just not good enough. Exactly. That we can never meet that standard of perfection that God has placed on Right. Uh, 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 um, uh, well, he plays. He he said those things, and we knew that we couldn't do it because only a righteous person, which is Christ, was able to fulfill yeah. that law. And right. And so let's get to that because I want us to get through Paul's argumentation here in Romans. Sure. Yeah. So in chapter two, he turns his sights on the religious, and you <laughs> see that towards the end with some very um, strong indictments. Um, he basically says, look, you who are circumcised, abiding by the uh, Old Covenant law, you're actually n- not true Jew at all because you violate the law. If a man's uncircumcised but keeps the law, he's more of a Jew than you are. And you're blaspheming God before the Gentiles mm-hmm. by violating the law. So then he comes into Romans chapter 3, having addressed the pagan, having addressed the re- religious Jew. And he starts out to say, look, what value is our outward external keeping with the law for the Jew? And he says, well, well, very much. The, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. That was a privilege. That was an honor. But verse 9, starting there and, and where you read Julio at the start, are the Jews any better off? Not at all. 
we have charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. And then he goes into a 14 indictment. (laughs) Pulling from the Old Testament Mm -hmm. brings 14 indictments against humanity. Mm -hmm. Now no one is excluded, for all have sinned. He says in verse 10, none is righteous, no, Mm -hmm. not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and Mm. their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. And here's the capstone indictment. There is no fear of God yeah. before their eyes. And, and, and I love that Paul is quoting, he's, co- he's quoting Psalms 14, he's quoting Psalms 5, he's quoting Psalms 10, Psalms 140, uh, Psalms 36.1. And this is nothing new in the New Testament. Yeah, because you could think like, well, this kind of idea of sin is a New Testament this, yeah. thing. But it's like, no, 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 no. He's, no. I'm, I'm taking he, from the Old Testament, guys. He, this yeah. isn't new revelation. This is... Yeah, he's quoting. He's Old quoting Testament. Old Testament. Take that, Andy Stanley. Right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but um, you wouldn't have a New Testament without an Old Testament to that's that right. point. Yeah. But but what Paul is doing is he's he's pulling the law and and he's intentionally condemning. There's no one who gets away from this. I mean. All pervasive. No one is yeah. righteous. All universal yeah. negatives. Yeah. Wait, but isn't one right? Nope, not even one. Yeah, universal all... negatives, and mm. he's he's condemning us. But but here's where the light starts to break through. Yes. If you if you are reading Romans one, two, and three, you ought to be brought to the end of yourself, mm-hmm. and away with this self righteous religion. Yeah, where I can somehow earn my salvation. Mm. It's impossible. It's impossible. But listen to 13, probably the most beautiful 13-letter string in the New Testament. We read in verse 21, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. You mean there is a righteousness to be given that is not accomplished by my performance of the law? I can be righteous apart from my abject failure? Mm -hmm. And listen to the answer. Although the law and prophets bear witness, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is good news. Salvation is of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If nothing else, Paul's opening trifecta argument, these three chapters, should bring you to the point where you recognize if I don't have an outside salvation, I'm lost. Yeah. Yeah. But Jesus Christ, the gospel, is God's answer to man's sinful condition. But like I said at the start, and, and to try to wrap this up, unless man's sinful condition is properly understood and communicated, we'll have several errors. We'll cheapen the gospel to something that man can easily do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll miscommunicate the condition all men are in, namely under the pure and righteous wrath of God because of their moral willful rejection. That's what you talked about. God is the one who's angry. 
Mm-hmm. We'll misunderstand the miraculous nature of regeneration and the power of God to save, and we'll lose dependence upon the Holy Spirit in prayer to save, and we'll lean toward human methods to bring people in. Yeah. If I really think people have just made a few mistakes, I can come up with a pretty good idea of how to help them correct those mistakes and get back on track. Right. Yeah. But if I understand man's depraved condition, I recognize nothing but the power of the Spirit of the living God can raise these people from the dead, and it draws us into a greater dependence upon the Spirit of God to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, the I was going to go into the, the 16th century Reformation and, and what spawned it, and, and really at the root of it was, yes, there was justification in Christ by by grace through faith alone um, the inerrancy and inspiration of the scripture was was uh, uh, at the at the root um, the 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 availability of scripture for preaching to the people yeah, yeah. but but at the root of of the reformation at the the heartbeat was the total corruption of human nature where apart from an external work of God being done to us, we can't be saved. That's what Luther came to recognize. Yeah, because yeah. he was doing a lot of crazy things, uh, confessing his sins, doing all right. these things to like, because he he every little thing, right? What was he confessing? Anything that he was I mean, doing, any, the yeah, yeah. the priest were telling him, just come to me whenever like, you actually yes, did something wrong. bad. Yeah, because <laughs> right. you're, you're going too far. Yeah, and they were sick of it. Too too annoying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so he he came to recognize the pervasiveness of sin, and the genuine nature of sin, and recognize what is a mercy of God for us to recognize we can't rescue ourselves from our sin. Yeah. Um, a couple of practical implications of the doctrine of sin. I know we've we've said a lot, but but have you ever heard someone say, um, talk to them about their perfection, and what do they say? Well, I'm just human. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. only human. Yeah. yeah. Sin actually makes you less human. Yeah. And more like the animals. Yeah. What did David pray in Psalm chapter eight as he as he sat? I, I like to think on his uh, on his kingly porch and looked out at the glorious heavens that didn't have you know grocery store lights um, uh, <laughs> masking great. them. Yeah, Psalm eight three. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? He's he's feeling how small he is, and in light of this glorious creation. But then listen to these words. Yet, you have made man a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet. Our condition as people made in the image of God is for a temporary time a little lower than the heavenly beings. But have you ever noticed in the New Testament the descriptions often of sin like a pig that returns to the mud, like a dog that returns to its vomit? The irrationality of it. We become like creatures of instinct, Jude says. We just just now are functioning like the dogs in the field and the animals. Sin doesn't make you more human. Wow, I'm just human. It makes you less human. It mm. degrades you. As you're made in the image of God, you are to be elevated, not degraded down to the level of creatures which just eat, sleep, and reproduce. Yeah. yeah. But 
sin defiles you. So practically, an implication of proper homardiology, the doctrine of sin, sin makes you less like what you were made for and more like the animal. Wow. Secondly, something that we all need to understand, I think this has been adequately um, emphasized, but you are not innocent in this corruption. Your sin is not something that happened to you. Well, I was born in sin, so it's not my fault. No, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. You have turned aside from God. Hmm. You have have planted your flag of indignation and rebellion against your maker. And so we've got to understand those implications of sin. But then we've also got to understand the weight of our sin in order to properly understand the glory of salvation. When salvation is described as propitiation, what is propitiation? The work of Jesus Christ to appease the personal indignation of a holy God against sinners. While we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. Mm-hmm. Enemies? You are in your natural condition an enemy of God. Yeah. And Jesus Christ in his work on the cross appease that wrath. He absorbed it all that you might live. Oh, what glory. When you see the depths of your sin, you see the height of his salvation, and it ought to cause you to rejoice Mm -hmm. over how he has rescued you from such a horrific condition. And it also explains the necessity of atonement on the cross. In order for you to be saved, God had to be slaughtered on the cross. Mm. So, a proper understanding of sin, as serious, as weighty, as as somber as it is, as frightening, it only serves to 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 magnify the magnanimous grace and glory of the God who's who's rescued us. And He had to die for our sin, but He also needed to live for our righteousness. Amen. And that's why sometimes I know, I know that we talk about Roman Catholicism a lot. Like, there's just an insufficiency. Right. Of the cross. Of the cross. Yeah. When we um when we were just like, Well, what was the purpose? He just died, but why? You know, I know that they have crosses all over the place, but man, there's so much in death meaning on that. And it was uh um who was who's I forget his name or the uh he was writing the Magnus Opus. Uh, oh, um Doctor Gary Habermas. Habermas. And he was telling us he was writing a magnus opus on the resurrection, and all that in for like five thousand page volume that he's gonna do mm-hmm. just on that, mm-hmm. on the cross, and his resurrection dying. Re- re- I'm just like, wow, it's yeah. important. It's important. <laughs> it's important. Well, um, we're gonna go ahead and land this plane on this podcast. Thank you, Jeremy, so much. But as always. We like to end the program with uh, our guests sharing the gospel. So if you would do so. Yeah, because we need some good news. Just like somebody might might just listen to this podcast and just feel just completely beat down. Mm. But I'm excited as you're sharing the gospel right now. Well, here's, here's the glorious good news of the gospel. God is 
our creator. He's a good God. He made us in his image to flourish and to enjoy him and to give glory to him and to function as his created beings to, to, to his honor and to our enjoyment. God is holy. But what that means is that God must punish sin. He cannot abide with sin, which is why we're told in Revelation 21, no unclean thing will ever enter his presence. And the horrible news, the horrible reality is that we are sinners. Though we were made in the image of God to glorify and honor God, we have rejected that purpose. Everyone has gone to his own way. We are living for ourselves unto our own glory in rebellious idolatry, worshiping and serving ourselves rather than God. And because of that, we have incurred the righteous, just wrath of God. And we have sinned against an infinitely glorious creator and therefore have incurred the judgment of an eternal destiny in hell. But God, because he is merciful and kind and loving, has provided a way for us to be rescued from our sin. He sent his son, ruling in heaven, left his throne above and entered this world as a man to do what we could not do, to live the life we could not live. He perfectly kept the law. He satisfied the law's demands. He never sinned, not one lustful thought, not one arrogant attitude, not one harmful deed. Jesus Christ perfectly kept the law, which is verified and validated throughout the witness of eyewitnesses throughout the Gospels. No one could charge him with sin, not even the most pagan rulers. Jesus Christ kept the law. He lived the life we could not. But not only that, he died the death we deserve. For God made him who knew no sin to be sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary and gave his life as a ransom for sinners. And the response to that beautiful message upon living the life we couldn't, dying the death we deserve, and rising from the dead, conquering death itself, thus declaring that God the Father had been satisfied. Our response to that message is simple. Jesus Christ doesn't ask us to co-pay, to try to do the best we can, and he'll pick up the rest. He commands us to repent and believe. To repent to have a change of mind which affects the change of our will, which affects the direction of our life, crying out to God to forgive us for our sin, believing God that we have sinned irreparably and that we do deserve his judgment, and crying out, asking him to forgive us as we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, entrusting our souls to him, what he's done on our behalf. And he says, you will be saved. No one who comes to Christ will he cast out. All who come to me will find rest for their souls. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty seven, come to Christ in repentance and faith and be rescued from the sin which condemns you. That's the good news of the gospel. God is holy. We are not. Jesus Christ has accomplished what we could not so that we might be rescued as we repent of our sins and put our faith in him. Amen. 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 It's and always that, it's always awesome for yeah. to hear our guests share the gospel. <laughs> Same that, message, approached differently. Yeah, and it's all good news. <laughs>
yeah it's all good news well thank you so much jeremy where yes, can jeremy. um where can our listeners find you if uh, if you want to be found <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm on most uh social media um instagram twitter Actually, not most social media. That's pretty much it. No, okay. Twitter. Twitter. Um, yeah, right now, um, you can check out my wife and I's website, jeremyandginger.com. Um, and the website for Grace Community Church, if you go to the YouTube page, pretty much every sermon I've preached in Laredo is up there. Uh, YouTube.com forward slash GCC Laredo. And you can listen to the majority of my teaching. Okay. And they can also catch you at G3. G3. Yes, yes. yes. You're, when, when are you going to be starting uh, that? So we'll, we'll be starting a G3 podcast this summer. I'll be speaking again at the G3 conference in Atlanta this mm-hmm. January. Very excited. Uh, Josh Bice and I will be kicking off a competing podcast with Bridge Radio. No, 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 no. Yeah, but we're excited for that. So No, that's awesome. Well, we're looking forward to hearing those podcasts. We've had a Josh on the radio before. So yeah, it's on the new, the new Calvinism. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we got, we, I, I told him the last time well, after the podcast, I was like, I got to get you white um, and, uh, and just talk about the SJW stuff that's going on. Yeah. But we'll, we'll be reaching out to them yeah. soon. Um, anyway, guys, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Podcast, please uh, share it, uh, like it, share it with your mom, your dad, cats and dogs, like I always say, and uh, it's all creation, right? Yeah, it's all creation. It's all creation. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, if you really, really enjoy this podcast, please check out uh, check out our other ones. I believe this is episode eighty eight, so we got eighty seven more. We talk about everything from soteriology, Calvinism, um, eschatology is a big one here. We, we've got a whole range of to- yeah. topics. Um, so yeah, just please go check all that out and uh, we have a big surprise too for episode uh, 100 our 100th episode it's gonna be it's exciting. gonna be great we're just gonna hype it up yeah. we're not gonna tell anybody who it is yes. except jeremy right where, yeah, right when but, this podcast ends yeah <laughs> so but we're excited <laughs> yeah guys so um if, if we we would like for you to visit our website too pre please uh prayerfully consider supporting us rather it'd be a one-time donation monthly you could do that through our website also check us out we are a non-profit reformed christian bookstore teaching men ministry and coffee shop Uh, we hold bible studies here and uh, our sole mission especially going forward is just to be a conduit to reform theology entering in not only our community but out into south and central america more to the spanish-speaking community and uh, also we're starting bridge radio espanol with uh, eduardo yes uh and he's uh actually he's getting his master's at puritan reformed theological seminary so he we're kicking off on that too he's got two he's working on the doctrine of the church and he's got two recordings done that's awesome so we're probably gonna be rolling that out soon you'll see it you'll see it go follow us on social media as well yes so um all right guys well as always what is your only comfort in life and in death that i am not my own but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful savior jesus christ and we'll see you on the next one later